to the middle of uh, what we're wanting to cover today. And we are on me 2.0, the, re- the new life. When we, ever we come to, to Jesus, it isn't about turning over a new leaf. You know, I don't know about you, but I've seen both sides of mine, and they're both dead and messed up. You know, I just keep turning over as much as I want. I don't get any new results. I had to have new life, and only God gives me new life. And then I had to learn how to live in that new life. And that is what we have been studying, what the new version of us looks like. And we're today talking about our new minds. See, because we can never, ever become what God has created us to be apart from him. This isn't something we can go, oh, God, thanks for the start. Thanks for Jesus. Now I've got it from here. Woohoo! Thank you, Lord. I'll just cruise on. No, we cannot be who God created us to be apart from him. That was what was so devastating about the fall is Adam and Eve were living in their destiny and got disconnected from God and everything went downhill because they could not be what they were supposed to be apart from God. Jesus' ministry is about reconciliation and about connecting us back with God so that we can be who we're called and wired to be. So whether we live in the new creation or the old creation is determined by where we set our minds. What we think about plays such a huge role, where we set our minds. Our uh, children's church, they're getting ready for camp. That's right, isn't that crazy? We're already talking about summer camp and gearing up for a barely got the new year started, and, uh, but we, we didn't want to let this slip by. So we had a bake sale yesterday at Sam's, and uh, it went incredibly well. The kids were very favored, and I uh, had a great time. Well, Weston, um, my middle son, was the only one of our, because we had a big party for Brooklyn last night, so everybody was scurrying around, and Weston went to represent the Clarks. So I'm taking him and our brownies and all of that stuff over to the to Sam's. We're on cruising down the loop, and Weston said, uh, "You know, Dad, do you have any uh, do you have any tips for me on selling?" Which I thought, hey, ten year old, that's a good idea. He's gearing up. You know, you got any advice? You got any salesmanship here for me? And uh, so I told him, I said, well, you want to be assertive. You want to tell people what you're doing and why you're doing it. I said, and so that you're selling, uh, selling this stuff and you're raising money to go to camp. I said, but don't be obnoxious. And uh, he said, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> and I uh, was genuinely concerned. And uh, he was concerned on whether he could, he could find that line and not cross over into being obnoxious. And he was like, you know, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, son, I said, you know, to, to do it right, be assertive. I said, you said, you said, would y'all like to buy some, some fresh baked goods to help us go to camp? I said, you just open up with that. Let them know. Don't be a wallflower. Talk to them. And I said, and if they say no, then leave them alone. Don't say, oh, please, please. We do it. Don't you care if we go to camp or not? I said, that's, that's, he goes, obnoxious. I was like, Yes, that is obnoxious. And so, and I said, and then don't do, I said, don't decide to, to be overly creative, you know, and uh, say, uh, start, you know, riding or act like you're riding around on a horse and say, bubba bake, bubba bake, bubba bake, bubba bake, bubba bake, sale. And, uh, and so, and he said, that would be obnoxious. And I said, yes, that would be obnoxious. And uh, he said, okay, I understand the difference between obnoxious and not obnoxious i've got this and so 
it was, uh, I was real proud of him. He took, uh, um, what was it, eight pans of brownies? He took eight pans of brownies and turned it into a hundred bucks. So we were excited. Blessing to the Clarks getting to go to camp. So we were, ex- we were excited about that. He must have found the line between the two. And so it, uh, it worked. But uh, before, while he was headed to that bake sale, I was just so impressed with him that he was setting his mind on what he was about to do. He wasn't just being a goofy little 10-year-old riding shotgun heading out. He was thinking about what he was going to do. He was setting his mind on what was in front of him and planning and strategizing and wanting to do it right. See, for us to live our lives and live in the new life, we can't just float through and just kind of cruise through this. We have to make sure that we set our minds on the right things and where we set them makes a difference. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. That's it. You want to know? Say, why do people who are believers, who are free in Christ, keep doing the same dumb sinful things over and over again? This is it. Those who live according to that have their minds set there. That's where their minds are set. And the thing is, is when we come to Christ, we're in that routine. And then God brings new life, but we're, our minds are still in that thought flow. And they still naturally lean that direction. And we have to begin to steer them and bring them into proper alignment. It says, but those who live according, <clears throat> in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. And it's not that hostile to God encompasses everything that God represents and calls right. You say, well, I, I keep saying, but I'm not hostile to God. I, I cry out to God. Well, wait a minute. In that, in that area, are you hostile towards what, what God says is right in that? Did you, that make you angry? That you just want to push against what God says is right? If you keep, you keep not walking in that, more than likely you are. And then that puts us in a place where we're being hostile towards God. He's like, no, but I, but I love God. Yes, but in that area, you've set this wall up. We have to make sure that we let God into every area of our lives. It says it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. We can't get our natural tendencies to submit to God's law. That's why we had to be born again. If we could get this thing in a headlock and we could get our old self, you know, and just kind of force it, then we wouldn't have needed Christ. We wouldn't have needed that sacrifice. But Christ died so that we could have new life because we were stuck. It's not going to submit. It's just not going to do it. So we have to have new life. Colossians 3, 2 through 3 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I was, every once in a while, I'll just be impacted by a book that I didn't even read. Ever did that ever happen to you? You'd be impacted by a book you didn't read? I just read the title. And it was like, whoo, that was good. And there was simply a book called Good Morning Holy Spirit. I don't know what it says on the inside, never read it. But the outside was like, that is awesome. So when I wake up in the mornings, I'm just like, good morning, God. Good morning. I try to purposely set my mind 
on what God has and begin to think on his directions. Because I tell you what, I got plenty of stuff going on in my life. I've got plenty of things. My mind can easily run in just whatever the day has in store, whatever problems waiting for me when my feet hit the ground. And the days that I don't purposely set my mind, man, I'm no fun to be around. And my wife will tell you. She'll tell me, you need to get control. You're all in a tizzy. You're all wound up. Now, I'm not going there with you. You're going to have to do that by yourself. I'm like, all right. All right, God, what do you have? I'm feeling overwhelmed with the day. You don't give me more than I can handle. What's the must? What do I need to do today? And then begin to walk in that. I'm thankful for a wife that loves me enough to help me hit my reset button and say, hold up, buddy. You're not thinking on the right things. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that puts itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have to make every captive, take every thought captive and make it obedient. The battlefield where this between the old life and the new life, it happens right here. We already talked about the new heart, that God gave us a new heart. And that's why so many times we feel this desire. And Paul expresses it in Romans chapter 7, says, Man, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And the bad that I don't want to do, I'm doing that. What's up? Who's going to save me from this sinful guy? And then he says, But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, because it's only in Christ. It's only in living the new self. It's only in working out because our heart wants to but if we don't choose to set our minds because that's where the battle takes place then man we are we're lost we're just going to get tossed to and fro that's why the the word tells us that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways he hasn't set his mind it's double-minded it's between two opinions he's unstable in all his ways and he's not going to receive anything from god even though he's asking some stiff words you're asking and you're still not, and you're not going to get it because you haven't set your mind. You're still juggling between this. Still going over here. We have to set our minds on what God has said is right. See, when it's all said and done, the power of the lie keeps us trapped in these old patterns of destruction. It's the lie when we begin to believe the lie. And that's the way it has been forever. You know, it's funny that, uh, you know, and it's so, so many times it's tempting to just do little lies. You know, I've been in a, you know, this uh, pastoral role, and there are people that come to me all the time and ask me to give references. And so I want to be honest. And I just say, you know, Lord, I'm going to find what I can say good, and I'm going to talk about that. And I'm writing this letter, and we're talking about that, because I want to give good recommendations, and I, but I, I don't want to, I want to be honest in everything that I say. But a lot of times there are people who they just, they know it's tempting to just lie because somebody that's asking you for a recommendation, they're a friend or somebody you know. And so you've you got to put that letter in their hands. And So there are people who are they're, they're, they're tempted to lie on these recommendations. And we've got some where people are kind of telling the truth and it just depends on how you read it. And so we, we get these from the lexicon of internationally ambiguous recommendations or liar. So here are some examples. If you have somebody who uh, they're having to give a reference for this person 
who is completely inept. I mean, they're just completely inept. But, you know, they're, they're wanting to tell the truth, but, you know, they want this person to feel okay too. And maybe they give them this kind of recommendation. I enthusiastically recommend this candidate with no qualifications whatsoever. Maybe there's somebody that you're having to describe an ex-employee who had problems getting along with their fellow co-workers. And say, I am pleased to say that this candidate is a former colleague of mine. <laughs> Just depends on how you read it. Is it positive or negative? There's the, uh, the one that uh, to describe an applicant who is not worthy of consideration. I would urge you to waste no time in making this candidate an offer of employment. And then here's my favorite one. One to describe a person who's a lazy employee. You'll be lucky if you can get this person to work for you. <laughs> so those of you that are employers, they give you some, some little uh, arsenal there. You can be honest and nice. Depends on how you read it. But see, the thing is, is that believing a lie has been the downfall of humanity from the very very beginning it's been the power of the lie that snared humanity we're going to go all the way back to genesis chapter 3 to look at this and it says now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the lord had made he said to the woman did god really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden the woman said to the serpent we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden but god did say you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die there she knows the truth that god has told her knows the truth and then here we come you will not surely die the serpent said to the woman for god knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like god knowing good and evil here is this lie that is presented she was wanting she was aware that it was there she knew god's truth and here is this lie that is presented and now here's this one interesting thing this is my opinion is that here she has in her her personal experience all she has known is that god has been totally good to her that is it She's not known that God, she's not known harm. She's not known any kind of pain. She's not known, she's lived a perfect life there in Eden. And here for the first time, she has no experience of God ever being mean to her or holding anything back because God doesn't do that. She has, there's no, she has no parameters for that at all. And here comes, this, here comes Satan saying, God's, God's been holding out on you. God's been holding back. He didn't tell you the truth. You're not going to die. And she takes that, that she has no experience for, and takes Satan on his word alone. And takes Satan on his word alone, and then acts and places her faith in what he said. And in an act of faith, sins and steps over from life into death. See, that's why you and I, the only way we get back over is the same way we as humanity got here. We step back over, believing that no, God is good, that God's word is true. If he says it, that is the way it is. And I'm going to step back over from death into life by an act of obedience and faith in God. She sinned 
placing her faith in a lie. She believed it. And we come back into right connection with God by placing our faith, our belief, in the truth of God's word. See, the lie and the power of the lie has been there the whole time. Jesus says it there in John eight forty four. says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is the father of lies. And see, and that's the way Satan works today. Satan really, really doesn't have any real power over us. We are free moral agents. We choose. We are choosers. We can never use the cop out. The devil made me do it. We don't get that one. That one doesn't fit in our lives because he didn't make us do it. Any more than we can say God forced me to do something. Because God does it. We are choosers. We've got to set before us life and death, blessing and cursing, and we have to choose. And he says, choose life. But see, that power of the lie can come in and it can just dominate us. And, and that's why we have to have our minds renewed and set our minds on the right things or else we will stay in the same destructive patterns believing the same destructive lies. See, the power of the lie is there and it can take us in these crazy places. You know, if I could get you, if I could tell you a lie, get enough people to confirm it and tell you that maybe the Jews are subhuman. I can tell you that and put that into everyday life and you really begin to buy into that lie, then I can get you to sit back and let me annihilate a whole, attempt to annihilate a whole race. You really buy into it and I might get you to participate in it and you feel totally good about it. Is it the truth? No. It's a lie. Maybe I could do the same thing with with a race of people and say, you know what, I, I just convince you and get you to buy into a lie that a certain group of people are substandard and they should be servants and we need to, they are their best under our care and our ownership and, and we'll, take, we'll take better care of them and they should serve us and we should own them. And I get you to buy into that lie. There are a lot of people that read the word every day for hundreds of years that bought into a lie and kept slavery alive because of a lie. See, if I can get you to believe the lie that you're fat, when really, you have good weight for your height and build. But I can get you to look into the mirror and believe a lie that skinnier is always better. And I can get you to do something so crazy like stick your finger down your mouth and Get rid of the food you put in your body. I could get you to be destructive and destroy yourself from the inside out and hate yourself the whole time you're doing it. If I can get you to believe a lie. If I can get you to maybe believe the lie that all hope is lost and that life is never going to get any better. That all hope is gone. Maybe... I can get you to do something really destructive to yourself and take your own life if I can get you to believe a lie. If I can get you to believe the lie that one look doesn't hurt. One look isn't going to hurt me. And I can get you trapped in this cycle 
of destruction. If I can get you to believe a lie, then I can try it one time. Walk away, no big deal. I'll try it one time. Just see what all the talk's about. And I can get you in and try if I can get you to believe a lie. The lie is the only power Satan has. And that's why we have to put the truth of the God's word in our hearts. See, the truth always exposes the lie. It always makes it show up. That's why Satan doesn't want it. We have an enemy and he wants us to stay away from the word of God. You realize that the dark ages, one of the most twisted, messed up periods in human history, was broken and destroyed when they created the printing press and began to produce the Bible and get it out into people's lives and the truth began to disseminate. All of a sudden, we have this wonderful age of enlightenment and it affected everybody all over the place. Whether they believed God or not, it was contagious when the truth began to get out. The truth always exposes the lie. And when we know, when our minds are aware of the reality of God's love and His care for us, then we can choose to live in that reality. See, there really is life and death, blessing and cursing, and both of them are available. While we're sucking oxygen, while we're living on this planet, both of them are available. And we get to choose. So we need to understand what God has made provided for us so we can choose to live in that reality and choose what God says is real. That salvation is real. That we can have life and our families can be together and we can work it out. That we can have life in every area. That's why we have to put God's word because it begins to dispel it. My family's always enjoyed going camping. And, and uh, we were camping, I think it was at Inks Lake. I don't remember which lake it was. And <clears throat> I was about 10 or 11 years old. And I was late. We were walking, left the tent and... Me and my dad were walking to the restrooms, and, and uh, my dad was the only one that had a flashlight. We're walking down the road, and I'm walking right there on the grassy edge of it. And walking along, and my dad is, uh, you know, the flashlight's going. And then all of a sudden, my dad says, stop! I had been trained, and I trusted my dad and that man, and I stopped. And as I looked down, there the light was shining. My dad's flashlight was shining on this water moccasin that was just slithering across. And I was about to step right in the middle of that water moccasin. And I just stopped. And that thing just slithered away. There waiting for me in the dark, there waiting for me was destruction. But as I was walking with my father, as I was listening and be willing to obey and honor him and stopped mid-stride, it wasn't even, what do you mean? That's why it was, that's why we train, our, we train our children with first time obedience from when they are little. It's not, I give you three chances. I'm going to count to three. If that's your parenting style, that's fine. But in our house, it's first time obedience. We say it, you do it. Why? Because we love you. We're not doing anything mean. We're not trying to hold anything back. And if you have to wait on the rationale sometimes... It's too late. There are times the Holy Spirit's going to tell you something and you just got to obey. And you go, okay, God. And then sometimes it all makes sense later. That's why we have to trust Papa God. We have to trust that. And then the light comes on and exposes the danger. It exposes the lie. I thought I was walking in safety and I wasn't. And the light showed. It exposed the lie. 
that I was about to be hurt. We have to make sure that we walk with the Father, that we are willing to allow. The the Word tells us that God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We have to be willing to listen to that. John 16, 13 says, But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. And he can't understand them. Because they're spiritually discerned. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have a spiritual ear. My son was doing this little test on. You know what frequencies people can hear. Well we may not be able to hear. But that doesn't mean it's not there. It's there. We just can't hear it. The truth is there. But this, this unspiritual man doesn't discern it. It's foolishness. But the spiritual man makes judgments about all things. But he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that man struck him? But we have the mind of Christ. See, John 8 tells us to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples and you will know the truth. And that truth will set you free. See, knowing what to actively think about helps us to harness our stray thoughts. We need to make sure that we don't just let our minds just wander off. We have to actively set them on. It's as much as taking a car, just driving a car down the highway. It's out of alignment. Just letting it do what it wants. You may can cruise for a little bit and get by with that trick. But you're going to end up in a mess in a hurry. We have to make sure that we actively set our minds and don't let things go astray on us philippians 4 8 says finally brothers whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things james 1 tells us don't be deceived my dear brothers every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change or shift like shadows. Our God loves us and he is so for us. And we have to learn to trust him and trust his word. And when that comes out, then it expels the lies. And then we can live in the freedom that he has called us to live. But if we don't hold God's truth up as the preeminent, then we're going to continue to walk around with the lights off and subject to whatever we bump around in in the dark. See, the me 2.0 version thrives with our when our minds are set correctly but when we just let it go wherever then we're not going to live the way god has designed us to live we have to set our minds we have to set them and the time to set is when when you catch it say whoop bring it back it may veer whoop that's what i love about those little bumps on the side of the road the little wake up dot things you start to kind of snooze or get off or heaven forbid you're texting and cruising down the road and you start to go oh let's get back in right so we got to make sure that when our spirit says whoa 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 set your mind back right that we listen to that listen to that listen to that listen to that listen to that
Listen to that. Listen to that.